0: Okay. Welcome everyone to Theology Thursday, last episode of the year, last episode of 2020. You're having an odd reaction to that spin, to that spin drift. That's your favorite. <laughs> That's your favorite of the bubble waters. isn't Now it these
1: bubble waters are the next level because most carbonated waters, they use artificial flavors. But mm-hmm. see here, this can right here, it says real fruit tastes better. And then it lets you know that they squeezed like a quarter of a lemon, a real okay. lemon, into this.
0: And that's it gets a bad rap because it has some calories. Yeah, but like literally, like four or five. Yeah, right?
1: it's got three. Yeah, there you go. It's got three.
0: Oh man, so cool to see everybody already here. This is, um, you know, before we got on. Are you trying to get another sponsor? It just hit me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. I'm I don't think. Have to go spin to the camera drift.
1: and focus on the face in the can. It's really the, good. It is it actually is it's good. It's so refreshing.
0: I will say though, man, Spindrift of all the companies does not need our help.
1: You know what? They're though? They're pricey. They're exp- they're 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 like twenty-five percent more.
0: They could use a leg up on LaCroix and Bubbles and or Bubbly or whatever it's called. So before we got on, we were talking about Boys to Men Christmas songs, and some of you guys would be really surprised to know um, the depth of Isaac's knowledge of the catalogue of Boys to Men. It's Um, true. I I sang one line from a Boys to Men Christmas song. Yes. And Isaac immediately said the year it was from, which was 1993, and then listed like the next two albums after that.
1: Yeah, I listed the album name, the year, and the prior album, and the subsequent album.
0: Because the subsequent album was the one that...
1: The big one. It was called Two. It went diamond. Back in the day, you actually sold something. They were like called physical copies of music and there were CDs and cassettes, huh. and it sold 10 million of them. So retro. Um, Kevin, you Kevin, probably had some of this. Yeah, so explain how... So you put, like, the cassette or CD in <laughs> Into what? your iPod. You put, like, <laughs> the iPhone the had it a... <laughs> Into your iPod. <laughs> That's back when they had the, the true Sony Walkman.
0: The wa- I had a Discman with 45 seconds of skip protection, so you could carry it in your cargo pants pocket when you walked around. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the skip protection was a big deal
1: because... Like, if you try to go on a jog with with no skit protection, yeah. it just
0: it ruined, your, yeah. ruined your entire CD. Hey, great to see you guys. Um, as I said at the beginning, um, this is the last episode of 2020. We got a bunch of stuff going on in Christmas that's going to take extra attention, plus Isaac's got a baby coming yeah. in the next few weeks. So yeah. um, with that in mind, we're going to take a few weeks off here. We'll be back in January. Um, in the meantime, one thing I'd love to request of you guys is if you have stuff that you would like to see us talk about on theology Thursday, I would love to hear that from you. So you could do, put that in the comments or email me if there's things you'd like to just individual theological, like questions or subjects or whatever. Um, let me know. Cause we're if you be, want me to
1: do like a survival show, that's what yeah. I really like to do. I've been practicing friction fires.
0: I mean, clearly we're both into that cause we're both wearing Columbia outdoor shirts right yeah, now. Yeah. We you happen. went all you went full pfg with yours that's performance, yeah, performance fishing, gear. fishing gear yeah Th- this is deal. like the fake this is like for you know i mean i, so I just want and to stuff, say but. though
1: that columbia clothing mm. is the, the best, best clothing that i have <laughs> ever worn it's comfortable you can it's, fit
0: a spin drift in each of your front pockets and
1: look at they got these little like in case you're fishing you could know where, where, where are they there's like little things. So if you get tired of holding your fishing pole, you could actually like hook it up to your shirt for and real? it just stays there. Yeah. I've never done that. Cause a real That's fisherman would that. never put his pole down.
0: <laughs> there's so much in that sentence you just said for me to talk about. I'm not going to do any it's of true,
1: it. Though. It's like, how, what if you get a bite? You're going to miss the bite. Cause you ever see people at the beach. It's, they have their poles. Yeah. They're like asleep in a chair. And there's a reason why you've never seen any of those people pull up yeah. a fish.
0: Cause if the striper you've been waiting for all day actually decides to grab He's that gone. while you're asleep in your chair, it's yeah, not happening. That
1: circle hook's not going to help you.
0: So, all right, enough of whatever the, <laughs> whatever this is tonight, we're doing sort of a Christmas Q and a, we've got a few questions from you guys. The first question is the one that we're going to spend the most, probably the majority of our time on. It's the, the most pressing one that comes up year after year yeah, after year. Absolutely. Um, but we've got a couple other questions after that, if we have time, um, the, but the first one is the biggest one and it's is or is not Christmas based on pagan holidays is it uh just a kind of like co-opting of of old pagan holidays and Christianizing them and the answer as most to most questions worth answering is pretty complicated um, unfortunately the way people treat this is not like giving real weight to the how complicated it really is it's like everything else it's like tweets and memes and people just blanketly asserting things. We actually have some memes. Kevin, if you could throw up that first one, many of you probably see these year after year things like this one, the famous Morpheus meme. What if I told you Christmas is not associated with Christianity, which that sentence has so many problems with it. I don't even know where to start. Uh, Yeah, it's already, it's not associated with Christianity person who made this meme. Um, Jesus Christ was not born on December 25th statement two: it is an ancient pagan festival festivity called Saturnalia. Honoring the sun and make and marking the winter solstice. So we could have, and now I'm thinking almost should have, just grabbed that meme and had the whole episode be us addressing each line of it. Um, but we're just gonna move on. Throw up the next one. It's another very similar one. This is the famous Kermit sipping a cup of tea. It says Christmas is celebrating the birth of a Jewish savior, six months off his actual birth date. So the person who made this meme thinks they know when Jesus was born, which is interesting on a holiday borrowed from paganism using pagan tradition, but that's none of my business. Um, and then one more, cause this one's actually pretty funny. These yard signs popped up in Florida a couple of years ago saying Mithra is the reason for the season. Happy winter solstice. So do you see stuff like this regularly? I mean like around Christmas time?
1: Yes. Especially online. You see it and people saying it and it's, it's similar to, like one thing we've always talked about, like someone will say, they'll act, act like they, oh, I've done my historical research and don't you know Christianity was invented by Constantine right. um, at the Council of Nicaea? Yeah, and so you go like, like
0: what? So what? I don't even know where to start. And that's, that is kind of the case here where it's what you see is not carefully reasoned arguments, but like assertions. And even, you know, when I was looking at different kind of doing some research on this, like you'll see an article on like abcnews.com that just, yeah. as part of what they're saying about Christmas, they'll be like, you know, it is based on uh, the pagan tradition of Saturnalia, blah, blah, blah. Or they'll say, you know, another, po- another common one is that Christmas trees were a, you know, Germanic pagan mm-hmm. practice from the 16th century. And there's no link even. Mm-hmm. So it's just something that people assert without proof. And so we're gonna kind of walk through some of the arguments around this and, and eventually answer the question. Cause it's not, in my opinion, just up front, it's not a simple yes or no to, it, are there pagan origins to the Christmas celebrations?
1: Yeah, there, we would say that the Christmas story is unique and true. Right. Um, but certainly the Christian claim is that all the ways we celebrate Christmas are derived from the Bible directly.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. No one, no, very few, if any, Christians are making that claim that you're gonna find like yeah. a drummer boy or a Christmas tree in the Bible. So we'll start, you know, so we've got December 25th, the date, That's Mm -hmm. part of the claim that people make. Um, We've got all these other characters, like Mithra, who we saw, we'll talk about him. His name's actually Mithras. Um, And then, yeah, a bunch of other stuff. We'll just kind of walk through it. So December 25th is the first one. You'll hear various claims, one of which, um, like that yard sign, is that this is the birthday of Mithras, a Roman god. It's actually more complicated than that. He's a Roman god, but he was also um, in uh, Persian. I was gonna say Iranian, but Persian at the time that he was worshiped, Persian god. It's complicated how gods kind of migrate around the world. Um, Another one is that it's the birthday of Sol Invictus, which is a name of a possible Roman solar deity, a sun god, of which there were many, Um, or the celebration that's called Saturnalia, which was a celebration of Saturn, the god Saturn. Um, So maybe we could start by, we'll talk about Mithras first, because this is the claim that gets made the most, and it's also the one that has, in my opinion, the least historical backing behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we could talk generally about all of these kind of claims that get made. because Mithras is one of those pagan gods where you will find books and YouTube videos and memes and everything claiming that Mithras is in, an equivalent to Jesus, that mm-hmm. Mithras is this god worshipped in Rome who, wow, has all the same stuff. He's mm-hmm. born of a virgin. He had twelve disciples. When he was born, there were shepherds in attendance at his birth. Um, I'm trying to think what else. He died and resurrected. Um, and those kind of statements are made all the time. They're made about him, they're made about other gods like Horus um, and tons of other ones. So many of you have probably heard these, these claims that like Jesus is actually just an amalgamation of all these different pagan gods. So what general thoughts do you have about this?
1: What's, well, it's, <laughs> it's something that you've said, it's, it's, you've emphasized finding original source material. So if someone says, well don't you know this deity in the the 2nd century BC was worshiped like this find the documents, the source material where there's a second century deity worship like that, because if you have a eighth century historical reference to someone doing something that occurred in the second century that might have occurred 200 years before, you don't really have an argument. And that's how a lot of these things work, a lot.
0: Yeah. And and a term we'll use over and over again that we should define up front is the term primary source. When we say primary source, what we mean is a source from the time period saying that this actually happened. Even that's not like dead on proof of something, but if you're saying no. something happened in the first century, especially if
1: it's contemporary, so if it happens at the same time, you might find a parallel, but who's, you don't know who's copying who
0: exactly. You yeah. have no idea. You really and, want a, something that predates the other thing um, by a significant, by a margin significant amount,
1: and then doesn't have parallels that can be explained by other reasons. right. So, so for instance, we'll probably get into this, but there's a reason why tons of cultures celebrate holidays around the winter solstice. Right.
0: Yeah. Great example. I mean, like the one, one super famous Old Testament example is the Epic of Gilgamesh has a flood story. And so there's a very simplistic argument that goes, well, the Epic of Gilgamesh has a flood story. So obviously whoever wrote the book of Genesis stole the flood story from Gilgamesh and tons of other ancient Near Eastern sources have a flood story where a honestly simpler explanation might be, maybe there was a massive cataclysmic flood that all these ancient Near Eastern cultures were aware of that made its way into many of their stories. Um, so all that to say, primary sources are incredibly important. They're still not even like dead on proof of something. And in the case of Mithras, there is almost nothing. We know almost nothing about the Roman god Mithras.
1: Yeah, all the, the claims are made. I, I, you can check me, but it's it's like his birth, he was born coming out of a rock naked with a sword or dagger in hand or something. Fully
0: formed. He's a fully formed adult who came and even that there's nothing even really written about that. We just have sculptures of him like coming out of a rock. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a really famous sculpture of him killing a bull. That's the most famous thing about Mithras. He killed a bull. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, without getting too far into the weeds, there's a Persian God named Mithra and there's a Roman God named Mithras. And it's not clear how they're related. The, the Persian one is older, but he's not Mm -hmm. even, uh, the Persian God is like a God of contracts and treaties, totally unrelated. Um, Mithras, I like that guy. You wouldn't have liked him? <laughs> no, that sounds like the God
1: of crossword puzzles or something. He's like the that. God of like, Sudoku he'll come after you and, if you
0: break a contract. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? No, we don't like him. Not a fan. Yeah. And so, so here's the short version without getting way too detailed. People make all of these claims about Mithras specifically and about many other pagan deities saying all these things parallel Jesus. Mm-hmm. And there are, I mean, with Mithras, we'll just use him as the example because he's the Christmas one. There's literally not a single primary source that says he was born of a virgin. In fact, he has some vague origin stories that don't that are nothing like that. He did not have twelve disciples, even though people say that. There's nothing that says that anywhere. Um, he did not have shepherds attend his birth, even though people say that one too. there's and again, there's a there's like it's not even like there's something sort of like that. There's nothing. yeah. Um, he did not die and resurrect. We don't know how or when he died. And most importantly for the sake of Christmas, there is, there is no narrative about his birth. There's no date associated with his birth at all. In fact, if you follow like modern Zoroastrian associations with Mithras, it, like his veneration time period is in the middle of July. It's like July 16th mm-hmm. or something. Um, so again, the short- so people just make it up. We're and people say
1: just say it. And, and it's something that we, I mean, not, there's nothing new under the sun. It's something that happens often is you'll see this online today. Somebody will say something and if it sounds good, someone will share it. Yeah. And then it's shared again. And then all of a sudden it's been shared a thousand times. And at a certain point in a certain subculture, a group of people, it almost becomes just accepted knowledge. And in reality, it's someone just made it up. And this, this, by the way, can happen. I've seen this happen with preaching. Like someone makes a good preaching point 30 years ago and says that one of the keys, the historical details to making this up is this. And then all of a sudden another preacher heard it and liked it and then someone heard it and then you're just repeating this thing over and over and it's like not true. So the most famous example immediately comes to mind is, um, Jesus says it's, um, more difficult for a rich man to go to heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And, um, someone along the line said that there's actually archaeological evidence that um, city walls had a hole in them and they call it the eye of the needle and the camel would have to bend his, his neck down and get on his knees and get on his knees to get into the city walls and so go, what oh jesus my gosh, is saying is yes to bow yeah you have to bow but it's like there's no evidence for that the closest thing you have is like some medieval city wall castle where there's a hole for animals to pass through but in the first century jewish world what did jesus mean he meant it's really hard yeah if you're wealthy to get to heaven because your greed can overtake you to such a degree that you worship money more than him yeah. and you know that because the disciples immediately said then who can be saved well then who can be saved and yeah. they, the disciples who said that weren't filthy rich by the standards of their day so right. they just immediately were like uh then who can be saved and jesus of course responds with god all things all, all are possible but i've heard that eye of the needle thing in sermons like hundreds of times all the time. And this is
0: not true. No. And you, so you have to be really careful. I mean, like those yard signs say Mithras is the reason for the season. It's a blind assertion that actually, you know, December 25th is a celebration of Mithras's birthday. I watch history channel. (laughs) I know about
1: secret aliens.
0: And it's funny that my favorite source that I read on this was a guy who has a blog called history for atheists. He's a classical atheist who really like examined all the evidence and basically his conclusion, he's an atheist. And his conclusion is like, you guys we can't do this like if you don't have real evidence don't make these claims so here's the cautionary story here um if you don't have primary evidence be really really careful and be really really skeptical um and so don't like isaac said in in our culture it's sort of like if something aligns with what you want to think you just buy it Mm -hmm. and there's actually a paper trail on this stuff that proves that there was a um really famously when i was in high school i guess there was a, a movie that came out on YouTube called Zeitgeist it's Huge, film. It was huge. huge and made, um, you know, all of these same kind of, it wasn't about Christmas, but it made all these claims that like Jesus and Osiris and Horus and Mithras and all these gods are all actually the same story and widely believed people like lost their faith over this movie. It yeah. Had, I was,
1: you were in high school. I was pro, I was in youth ministry. Then I'm, I'm a few years older than you and, you know kids were coming to like oh my gosh christianity is just a copy yeah um, we've just stole from all these other gods because they said he's born of a virgin he had 12 disciples the yeah. shepherds were but he was crucified and resurrected and it was a big deal zeitgeist and the then film.
0: later bill maher um, repeated all of those same things on his movie religious that he made um, mm-hmm. not all of them many of them and you look at it and the only citations for these things are they're citing books written like contemporary books, the oldest one is the really famous book, um, "The Sixteen Crucified." Is it Saviors. thirteen or is it sixteen? Sixteen, okay, sixteen. Um, and and that's from like eighteen seventy-five. So it's yeah, 18, it's yeah. not old. And and that one was actually written by somewhat of a scholar, but he didn't reference
1: no actual it, I primary think, documents. I think he just made stuff. Honestly, just made stuff up. So you had contemporary people referencing and being influenced by a book written a hundred years ago and just accepting it as right. truth yeah and it's just it's it's not true at all like in any way yeah uh, and whenever there's similarities which there's bound to be similarities between stories i mean you could find similarities between justice league and the avengers i think it's yeah um <laughs> but it's they're easily explained and the biggest connections are just completely made up it's yeah. not true
0: and that's important to realize for christmas too that it's sort of like okay this pagan holiday had gift giving associated with it so clearly like what, what holiday doesn't have gift giving associated with it. Right. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the big takeaway here is that the similarities between Mithraism and Christianity and Mithras and Jesus have been greatly exaggerated to the point of just making stuff up. Um, and you should not believe that when you hear it. And again, if somebody makes that claim, the easiest thing to do, don't feel like you have to regurgitate everything we said tonight. Just say, how do you know that? Like, can you show me some evidence of that? Yeah. Because most people can't. Um, now, moving on to Sol Invictus, this one's interesting because it's a holiday we don't know very much about. It was a Roman holiday, the kind of Sol Invictus birthday. Sol Invictus means indestructible sun, um, and it was a it, this was a deity again that we don't know much about. Um, and this one also gets thrown around a lot because there, there is actually a document that talks about Sol Invictus's birthday being celebrated on December twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. So you could stop there and be like, Oh, dang, Christians did steal that. Mm-hmm. This is why you have to dig a level deeper. The document is from like 354 AD. So that's actually, even though that's very old to us, that's not that old in terms of when you're talking about things that are competing with Christianity. Fourth century is not that old. Um, And so there's this fourth century document that talks about Sol and birthday being on the 25th. But that document also talks about the 25th being the day that Christians celebrate the birth of Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. So on the same document where it gets cla- where people will make the claim, like, hey, this is, Christianity was copying this, it's also the oldest document we have saying that that's the day that Christians celebrated the birth of Jesus. Um, so, you know, again, just to say the same thing one more time, most of the kind of pagan solstice-based religious festivals, um, they're either not attested to at all in primary sources, because you hear this about Germanic celebrations too, It's like, you can't, you either can't find primary sources or they're just not that old. Mm. It'll be like the fourth century or later. So there's another one, again, I'm trying not to get into the weeds here, but there's a Germanic Yule celebration that get people make all the same claims about Christian Christmas celebrations. And it's like, there's an eighth century document referencing a fourth century document. That's really vague. Mm -hmm. And you just have to know, if you know anything about history at the, at, in these time periods, that doesn't mean anything like we, you just can't really base anything on that. Um, so anyway, taking too long here because we got to get to the main candidate, which which has the best case for it, which is Saturnalia. Um, Saturnalia, Roman festival. Um, it was held on December 17th. Maybe we should talk first about solstices and why that's important, because you mentioned that earlier.
1: Yeah. So essentially, um at that time of the year, everyone knew it was the time period where the darkest, the longest, darkest days had passed. So the sun was gonna be more dominant, if, yeah. if you will. So, I mean, just symbolically in your calendar, you have the darkest time of the year has passed. So of course, all throughout cultures, that's going to be something that's a big deal. Right. Um, and think some of gods like, are
0: prominent gods in almost every culture as well.
1: Uh, huge. So think of it like daylight saving times when when we gain an, a, an extra hour of sunlight. Most people are happy at that time. Yeah. Most people. I like it. I don't, I don't like when you, know, you get the benefit of the hour of sleep, but then you're it's yeah. dark. And late. dude, when you got
0: toddlers, you don't get that hour sleep either. It doesn't matter either. anyway. Nobody exactly. tells the two-year-old that it's 5 a.m., not 6 a.m. But it's like,
1: <laughs> it's, it's, you know, there's a whole hour of, it could be bright outside till eight fifteen now, or whatever it is. Yeah. We all collectively know it. And so winter solstice was like that across many cultures. So it was a big deal. So you, you should be expecting many people and places to be honoring this time in such a way. Yeah.
0: And so Saturnalia is one example of that. Um, and it, it, it's not December 25th, which is interesting. It's actually, it's December 17th. Um, it was very, very popular. And so it got extended and extended and extended. And I believe the farthest it ever got extended was December 21st or 22nd -hmm. or something. So it actually never occurred on December 25th. Not that that really matters, as we're gonna say in a second. Um, there were some things like comparisons get made to modern Christmas celebrations, but honestly, they're they're pretty exaggerated. Um, you know, it's like they walked around singing songs and you go like, oh, that sounds like Christmas, but they also did that naked, which we don't do today. Um, and you know, there's a bunch of really specific things they did that are not at all like Christmas. There's, a, there's some evidence that there were gladiatorial games, which were borderline human sacrifice. Um, There was, of course, like all Roman holidays, tons of sexual stuff going on. Um, One really interesting thing they did is they would reverse the roles of masters and slaves. So Mm -hmm. like the master of the house would set the table and like serve a meal to the slave, Mm -hmm. which sounds really sweet. But if you dig into a little bit. Yeah, sarcastic. um, Exactly.
1: It wasn't like, let me serve you this time. It was like, I'm pretending to be you, my slave.
0: We're all making fun of the slave, right? And you know, the slave doesn't have impunity to just do and say whatever he wants to his oh, master yeah, he's, next week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, by the way, I should say, I meant to say this up front. Um, there, a lot of the material that, that I got for tonight is relied heavily on a video made by Mike Winger, who, who makes really excellent Really good. Highly recommend videos.
1: Mike Winger.
0: Huge fan of him. Um, he makes vid- he's a pastor who um, is a theologian and just does YouTube videos that are hugely successful, hugely popular and does a really good job really well researched and he has a few different christmas videos that are helpful if you want to dig yeah, you could just deeper.
1: youtube search mike winger um does the show have a name i forgot the name
0: i don't kevin's probably going to google it while we're talking but i think it's yeah, just mike winger he's um
1: he's a good dude um i co-host a podcast called regeneration podcast we've had him on a really really good guy and we highly recommend his stuff
0: and he's the guy who will do the level of research necessary to really debunk the Bible stuff. thinker and Bible thinker good call good call so in, and so that's a dude who's gonna really actually go look at primary documents and stuff so you
1: notice he had 169,000 subscribers I think that's true but I mean we got you know we got we got seven <laughs> likes right now <laughs> yeah. man take seven that Mike likes. Winger you know if you haven't hit the like button go ahead and hit that like button
0: it's the last one of the year. And we're going to put Kevin's job back on the line again. Like we did a month ago. Kevin, how did you feel about that when your job was on the line? What Isaac set a bar of like, what was it? 20 likes.
1: He's probably been praying to leave this place for a long time, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: 20 likes is what is required for Kevin to keep his job. He's got job. a
1: sense of loyalty. That's the only reason why he's still here.
0: That's true. You know, Kevin worked here, uh, not even as an employee. He just worked here for free. while well, he had a, well, he had a, like a, I was going to say a real job. (laughs) Um, anyway. Okay. So here's the deal. Long story short, Saturnalia is a very prominent Roman holiday. That's around at the time that Christianity is naked.
1: Caroline
0: giving of gifts. Although I think they were more like gag gifts, it looks like. Um, so here's the question is Saturnalia, what we're actually celebrating on Christmas? No, no, it's not. Now is it possible that Saturnalia or any other pagan holiday is in fact the reason why we picked December 25th.
1: Possibly. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Christians, Christians have a way historically, even to today is uh, even today we do this. Well, what we do is we see something that culture has and rather than just try to destroy it, if there's some way that we could almost baptize it. Right. And make it a way to communicate the gospel then we'll, we'll use that. Yes. Now you can argue to to what degree does that become wrong? Have you crossed a line? Right. But I mean, like Christian music has done, has done this where it's like there's a style that's popular and then the Christian artist sort of mimics that style. They didn't create their own genre, right. but they immediately jump on.
0: Missionaries and- do this all the time. If you, if you move into a culture and you find out there's a really significant day, of course you're going to try to capitalize on that. For the sake of spreading the gospel and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like this devious thing it's it's really subversive and brilliant actually especially even just on the level of like you know okay it's your it's you and your family what are we going to do on saturnalia now that we believe in jesus we don't want to the kids are going to be so sad if it's like hey we don't do the saturnalia stuff anymore because we don't believe in the god saturn
1: so think of it like this there's there's a a holiday that's celebrated on winter solstice where it's the darkest day of the year and it's going to start to turn. The sun's going to start to come out and it's going to be brighter. Um, and also, let's say there's some deities associated with that because many cultures um, have a story or a narrative where a deity dies and then comes back to life. So right. they die in the winter and then they come back in the spring and that's done yearly again and again. And every year you have to expect this deity to die and go away for the winter and then come back in the spring. So the christian shows up and says oh you believe all of those things I, I need to tell you that there's one person who died and resurrected but he'll never die again he doesn't go away for the winter he doesn't go away and you wait for him to return in the spring because he actually rose bodily right we don't have to worry about him dying again and oh by the way we do believe that in the darkest of times when humanity was at its darkest moment, the Son of God, the true light of the world, came into our place, into our condition in order that he might save us. So you're taking those narrative elements where they overlap with the Christian story and using them to better communicate the gospel. So it's not a copying or a ripping off. It's actually using what's what narrative elements are available within that culture to communicate gospel truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it couldn't have said that better. And and it, that doesn't mean, by the way, that that is necessarily even what happened. Saturnalia, again, it's not December 25th. Yeah. And there's another really good explanation. You probably heard this one too, Isaac. But um, there was a Jewish belief in the first century, um, in the second temple period, that um, a prophet died on the same day that they were conceived. Mm-hmm. And so, long story short, if you do the math um, based on the day that Jesus died and you do the 9 months calculation, roughly. his birthday would be roughly December 25th. Um, so that's, a, that's
1: entirely possible. Also, yes. there's no,
0: again, there's no primary source that says that. Though, or so. the
1: Christians could have just ga- gaining dominance and said, we're, we're celebrating Jesus' birthday at this time. Right.
0: Now. And, right. And one of the points that Mike Winger makes that I love is at the end of the day, like, okay, maybe, so let's say we did that. Let's say it was the day of a pagan festival 2000 years ago. Which one are we celebrating today? Yeah. So the, who won? The goal was to Christianize the nation. Who won? We did it. Good what job, are you everybody. singing
1: about when you sing Hark the Herald Angels? Yeah. You and and that's
0: one of the coolest things. I mean, during Christmas, dude, you'll be in a coffee shop or like a mall or something and you'll hear someone say, Oh, come Emmanuel and ransom Israel. You know yeah. what I mean? Or, you, you know, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. You're like, we are singing theologically rich gospel centered Christian songs yes. um, in just in the midst of a secular nation. So it's, It's really powerful. And again, um, the problem is in the rhetoric. It is not accurate to say, you actually know Christmas has nothing to do with Christianity. Like, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter what the date was 2000 years ago. Christmas today in the year 2020 has a lot to do with Christianity. Because go ask the average person on the street, why do we celebrate Christmas? And they're not gonna say, because of Saturn. Yeah, They're gonna say because of the birth of Jesus. So. Um, it's just a, it's kind of, it reveals some ignorance about how history works, how holidays work, frankly. Um, so, okay. On that note, Christmas trees are Christmas trees, pagan.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, next Next question, question. (laughs) next question, throw up that Christmas tree meme. Kev. Oh, by the way, I should say several people have said they liked the picture just for Kevin to keep his job, but we still need three more. Um, Jacob says he's only doing it for Kevin. I got a text message from RJ Campos saying he liked and I'm assuming it's just for Kevin. So, um, Kevin's job is on the line, everybody, three more likes. Um, so this meme says, you see, son, we buy a Christmas tree to celebrate an ancient pagan tradition stolen by Christians. So again, that's, that's an assertion. Um, you want to throw up the other one. So that's, that's from a non-Christian. Here's a Christian take on Christmas trees. Um, they're quoting Jeremiah, 10, 2 through 4, which it's hard to read on there, but I'll pull it up on here. Um, we won't be able to put it on the screen, but I will pull it up. Um, so let's take the Christian claim first, because it's, it's the easiest one to debunk. Um, this is actually not that uncommon of a belief. Tyler, who we had on a couple weeks ago, who, who grew up Jehovah's Witness, talked about how Jehovah's Witnesses look at this verse, and many conservative Christians also do. They say the Bible forbids the use of of Christmas trees, and they they quote this Jeremiah from ten two four man Jeremiah ten, he says, this is um, God speaking through Jeremiah. Do you have something you wanted to preface it with? Uh,
1: Kevin got to twenty.
0: Oh, nice! Hey, round of round of applause for Kevin. Yeah.
1: Uh, those. Uh, by the way, you can remove those by clicking on the the like button again. Yeah, you could take them back. You can't
0: take them back. Please don't though, because if Kevin loses his job. <laughs> It's going to be really hard to do this, uh, this, this show. All right. Jeremiah ten two. learn, not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens because the nations are dismayed at them for the customs of the peoples are vanity. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an ax by the hands of a craftsman. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so that it cannot move. Whoa. Yeah. That sounds like Christmas trees. So, we, so here we have, okay, so clearly in Jeremiah's time, which is a long time ago, people are, man, um, yeah, Georgia M wants to just say that she likes Kevin three times. <laughs> um, people are clearly- Sure sounds like a
1: Christmas tree to me, man. So they're
0: chopping down a tree. They're decorating it with silver and gold. They fasten it so that it can't move. Like yeah. the Bible just said, don't do that because the pagan nations do it. Um, and so on, this is just a very simple lesson in hermeneutics on the surface. That sounds like it might be about a Christmas tree. Um, you can make the argument that even that is going to be, you know, you're doing some serious anachronisms to just assume it's a Christmas tree on this ancient text. But all you have to do is what we said in, in all of the, how to read the Bible videos, which is just keep reading. So that was verse four. We'll read verse five. Their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field and they cannot speak. They have to be carried for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them for they cannot do evil. Neither is it in them to do good. Now it goes on and on. Um, They are both stupid and foolish. The instruction of idols is but wood. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Uphaz. They are the work of the craftsmen in the hands of the goldsmith. Their clothing is violet and purple. They are all the work of skilled men. Now you could go on, but here's the point. It's very clearly describing the creation of wooden idols. Yes. It's not about a chopping down a tree and putting stuff in its branches. Um, and you know this because there are polemics against idols in the prophets all over the mm-hmm. place. And they say things like, my favorite one is the one where it just says, hey, they go out and chop down, somebody goes out and chops down a tree. They take half of the wood and make an idol out of it. Mm-hmm. They take the other half of the wood and they cook dinner on it. Mm-hmm. And you want to pray to the other half? Yeah. Like, what's wrong with you? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really, it's it's very, very clear if you read this. It, this is not about putting up a full tree in your house and decorating it.
1: And if you happen to be worshiping the tree that you cut down and decorated, you are committing a parallel sin to Jeremiah 10, two, 4.
0: Right. So don't worship the
1: Christmas yes. tree. Yes. The problem is not the decoration of a tree. It's worshiping Ancient an people built fires in high places to worship deities, but you can build a fire on the top of the mountain that you climbed up to from your backpacking trip. Right. But if you start to offer up that smoke to Thanos. Yeah. (laughs) There's a problem (laughs) that the thing
0: people don't know that Thanos is just the Greek word for For death. death. Um, Perla says she only uses fake trees. I'm assuming for this reason to avoid accidental idolatry. Hey, Zakia, good to hear from you. Loving this theology Thursday. Thank you. Um, and then Laura says, I love this topic, especially being married into a family that never grew up celebrating it. I'm going to go back and listen to the beginning. So I'll be 30 minutes behind. (laughs) Hey, we'll see you when you get, when you get back into the future, Laura, good to hear from you. Um, so yeah, that's a really quick one. And it's another, it's just another example of something we talk about all the time, which is like a verse out of context. Dan Kimball has the great quote where he says, don't read Bible verses. Mm-hmm. And he means it like he's saying it in a tongue in cheek yeah. way. Obviously he thinks you should read the Bible, but he's saying, don't just read verses. Um, so understand the argument. He,
1: uh, Dan Kimball's book comes out in like a week and it's called yeah. how not to read the Bible. I cannot wait. To so read we it. can recommend that, um. So congratulations, Dan. That was yeah. a book a long time coming, working on it. It's so like 300 some pages, how not to read the Bible.
0: And it's a, it's going to be all about the kind of stuff that people who watch the show love, which is like, maybe we'll bring them on when it comes yeah. out. Yeah, um, it's all about problem passages, things that people have a hard time with in the Bible, um, how, you know, the kind of famous idea that you can become an atheist by reading the Bible when yeah. you read about violent conquests and other difficult stuff. So highly recommend that book. Um, I'm recommending it even though I haven't read it yet which is probably pretty, pretty cool. we well, I mean, know him. He's a good dude. Isaac's probably read it. read it you can pre-order it. Now the other thing, the other, so that's the Christian case against Christmas trees. There's also the kind of pagan case that, Hey, these yeah. were um, connected to the Roman cult of Asherah. This is sort of like a God that had these wooden poles. That's true for sure. Um, and so you will see, this is another thing like Mithras, you will see over and over and over again, people just saying, well, pagans around the time of Yule used to cut down trees and put them in their houses as part of pagan celebrations. Um, and so one more time, that is not attested to in one single primary source of any pagan mm-hmm. religion, meaning it's just not true. Or if it's true, there's no evidence of it. So people just say, hey, we used to chop down trees and you know, it was a pagan thing that they'd put them in their house as part of your pagan solstice celebration show me one source word that says that that happened. Mm -hmm. There is not one that I'm aware of. Um, So again, it's just another example of, hey, do your research. There's actually, um, Christmas trees are, so the part of the claim is this Asherah kind of ancient Near East thing, but there's another claim that it's um, like Germanic pagan stuff because Christmas trees do have their roots in Germany, Mm -hmm. but we don't really see any evidence of them starting any time before the 18th century, which is very recent. That's like the modern world. And there's actually, this is also not attested to in primary sources, so I'm not saying it's true, but there are like traditions that say that Martin Luther is the first person who did it. And it was actually based on his Christian kind of reflections on seeing trees and thinking of the new year and stuff. So all that to say, um, there is absolutely nothing that links Christmas trees to any kind of pagan cultic practices. Um, So rock and roll.
1: And and again, this is- So don't worship them. Don't worship them that that shouldn't be that hard (laughs) no now there i would say that there is a there's a way in which it does parallel in that you can become so materialistic in your understanding of christmas that the trees and the present become the focal point rather than jesus coming into the world so in that way you can actually miss the mark to such a degree that dude Yeah. You're just, you're blowing it. It is idolatry point.
0: And you have to be careful. I mean, that's, it's very easy to accidentally teach your kids that that is what Christmas is about. Yeah. And at that point, your danger is not that you have actually been participating in an ancient pagan tradition. It's that you have accidentally morphed Christmas into a modern pagan tradition. Exactly. That's right. Um, That's right. And that's what, that's what a lot of Christians are actually in danger of. So when Christmas
1: is all about. The greater threat is materialistic, modern heat, like hedonism, not, ancient paganism yeah and i'll i'll say it again
0: any links that christmas has to ancient pagan traditions i'm fine with them 100 percent fine with them because they're just evidence of christians subverting existing holidays in order to advance the gospel and they did it incredibly well and the yes. entire western world now celebrates if the christians it that way
1: who came out of night, who went into Nicaea with the scars of persecution, literally still on their body happened to use an element of paganism to preach the gospel. It's probably not a big yeah. deal. And if I mean, Paul, these people literally came, some of them had missing arms still. Yeah. They and were faithful Christians and trying and to we preach in their context.
0: Paul does the same thing in Acts 17 missionaries have done it for all of Christian history. No problem. All right. Let's change gears. Cause we actually, that took, that took a long time, but I want to try to get to a couple other interesting things. Um, Question came in from Jacob Serpa. He says, can you talk about the star and the Magi and astrology, please? And Jacob's talking about, um, the three wise men or the three Kings as they're known. Um, yeah. Okay. Wait, side note. Cause I agree with Georgia M. She says they are pretty and they smell good. That is reason enough to have a Christmas tree.
1: They, I really do like the smell of Christmas tree. It's nice.
0: My daughter's really excited. Just She's, don't worship them. Don't worship. That's you know what? If there's one thing you learned on theology Thursday tonight, We need that. The more, you know, NBC, like sound, sound clip So we go, Hey, Christians don't worship your Christmas tree. I'm I'm positive
1: Mm -hmm. some ancient pagan culture sacrificed some Turkey bird and cooked it and brought it in and ate it, but doesn't mean Thanksgiving is, is rooted in ancient paganism. So, um, you just have to, to be careful. There's some stuff that's probably too far or or too close to something, but be careful.
0: And if some, if one of your friends wants to get snappy about the pagan origins of Christmas, all you have to do is politely ask them to demonstrate that that's true in some way. Um, So what Jacob's asking about are the three wise men. They're also called the three kings, and there's quite a few um, misunderstandings about them. Mm -hmm. And he's asking about the star and and astrology. So what's the, what's the kind of general deal here? What's Jacob getting at?
1: I was, uh, occupied looking at what Kevin was typing. He's just putting a link, a link into the book. I thought he was trying to tell me something. Oh yeah. No worries. So you were talking about the, the three Kings and right. kind of we say, but the, the Greek word is Magoi, uh, Magos in the singular, I think. Um, yeah. And what's a Magos? It's a it's Magi. Not a, it's like not a King, it's right? It's not a King for sure. These are people who looked up at the stars. Um, and they're not Jewish. They're, they're from a far off land. And they're seeing something in the sky that's drawing them to the birth of a Jewish king, Yeah, which um, is so easy to miss, but that is awesome. It's in a time where people are extremely tribal. They're extremely focused on their people in their land. At the, the beginning of the Christmas story, at the beginning of the gospel of Jesus, is this idea that God did a miracle to bring people who were far off, not of his people, Israel into the birth of his son.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the point that you don't want to miss about the three wise men. They're in Matthew's gospel, by the way. Um, if you want to read the story, it's in Matthew two. And the main point of that story is that outsiders from the Gentile world are brought to worship the King. Um, there's a bunch of misunderstandings that are fairly common. Like they're not there. They, you know sorry to your nativity set but they're oh, not yeah, there this part's going to be this this gonna, um,
1: this going to be this can be painful
0: yeah they weren't there the day that jesus was born guys they missed the birthday they missed the birthday um they're, not, not, a, they're not, Kings. They're not Kings. We don't know how many there were. They may not have been wise. They may not have been wise. Although, I mean, that's what you expect out of Magoy. Yeah. but, um, there's all, it doesn't say there's three of them either. And it's interesting. The Western church tradition says there's three and they even have names. I don't remember what they're, it's like Gaspar and Melchior Baba. and Bubba. It's the third one. <laughs> but in the Eastern tradition, there's 12. Did you know that? I didn't. So in the Eastern church tradition, there's 12. I the Bible doesn't that. say, um, People assume three fairly reasonably because there's mm-hmm. three gifts that they give and stuff. Um, but it's interesting. We, we know some other Magoi in the Bible. That's the, that's the Greek translation of the Old Testament title of what Daniel and his three mm-hmm. friends are in the court of Nebuchadnezzar. So, Dan, so and this, is, this is interesting. There's a rabbit trail you could run down. The only thing we know about them for sure is what's in the Bible, and it's very vague. They are Magoi, whatever that means in the first century, from the East who follow a sign in in the heavens. They follow a star to Bethlehem based on a prophecy that they know for some reason. That's literally all we know. And they recognize him as the king of Israel and they give him gifts. Um, But it's really interesting. And Jacob's question was about astrology because he's going, okay, so are these astrologers from the East who are using pagan astrological stuff and that's what leads them or is there something else going on? Um, And we don't know for sure. The the claim gets made a lot that they're that these were um, Zoroastrians. Uh, Okay, Ed and Dina bless say when we set up our nativity set, we always put our wise men figurines way down the mantle to show they didn't get there for a long time. That's good. That's awesome. That's good. That's a good way to handle that, Ed and Dina. Good job. And then like like uh, you leave it out for like two more years and then bring them over and you have a little toddler Jesus that comes out. That's good.
1: That's good. Um, Now Mary says just in time changes. Baby's diaper, yeah, change man. his
0: diaper. He's starting to talk and he's actually mouthing off yeah. a little bit.
1: Um, Jesus never did that.
0: No, for sure. Actually, he, he did respect his parents. That's in the Bible. Um, now, a, a magi from what we know was some kind of combination and it's unclear because it changes throughout history, but it's some combination of like wise men slash advisor to a royal person. Maybe that's what Daniel and his friends were. Um, there is definitely overlap with kind of magic Mm -hmm. rituals and stuff like that and kind of priestly jobs, depending on Mm -hmm. when and where. Um, And then what they would have thought of as like our equivalent of science, although it of course wasn't called that, which is, you know, some kind of astronomy astrology combination. And in Zoroastrianism, which is a very, very old um, Persian religion that's still around today. um, Magi is like a formal title of a priestly office. And so there's a, there's much made of of that, basically saying "No, these are Zoroastrian priests because those did exist at, the, mm-hmm. at this time in history, which, which is very interesting. Again, there's no proof of that. So there's kind of two options, and they're both, in my mind, honestly, feel free to correct me if, if you disagree, but they're both equally cool to me because mm-hmm. one option is this is an example of God working outside of the Bible, which we know he did. God is involved in the world in history, um, and so- People
1: have visions of Jesus, they're- Yeah. And, and that's Christians. still happens today. Yeah.
0: So it's, it could be God in some way revealing this completely outside of the rest of his plan with his covenant people, Israel. Mm-hmm. It's also entirely possible that they were aware of Jewish messianic prophecy in that kind of area to the east. It could have even come down from Daniel and, and his three yeah. friends that you have this prominent Jewish leader who's very significant in Babylon, just, you know, a few hundred years before yeah. the birth of Jesus. Um,
1: it's entirely possible that there are whose work was really emphasis, emphasize this, the come, this coming messianic figure. Yeah. Who would destroy the evil kingdoms of the world.
0: And so think about this. It's kind of cool. Again, we're speculating, but it's entirely possible. Um, that's like the, that's the classic Joe Rogan phrase you can, mm-hmm. entirely possible, meaning I have no idea if it's mm-hmm. true or not. Um, but it is entirely possible that you have Daniel who was the kind of chief of the Chaldean, Magi. So he's, he is over all of this class of person, 500 years before Jesus was born. And because these are part of that kind of tradition of Magi, they have the prophecies of Daniel that they've held onto. And maybe there's, maybe some of them are just into it and kind of keep up with it. And through some combination of watching the sky and God revealing things, they're brought to Bethlehem to see Jesus. Very, very cool and it just kind of it happens in like one chapter in one book of the bible yeah. but it's it's Matthew is not doing this on accident. Matthew wants to, you to see God brought in outsiders of every type
1: that you've got. Yeah, and pretty significant cuz Matthew's gospel is a Jewish gospel in that it speaks in the language of the Jewish people of the first century world, its Mm -hmm. emphasis is on Old Testament prophecies being fulfilled. It's reaching Jewish people, but he wants that audience to know at the beginning of his story.
0: Yeah, that man, God is not only interested in Israel and it's right there in chapter two, super cool. So unfortunately, Jacob, we can't do a whole lot except for speculate. Um, But it is very interesting. and, And I have zero theological problem with the idea of God um, again, using, using these people's practices in order to reveal something and to bring them to the true king. Um, it's not the same as like a universalism or perennialism or subjectivism that says it's all the same. God is using this to bring them to the one true king. Yeah. It's not the same as saying whatever their Babylonian practices were, we're fine. It's the goal here is you're coming to see the real king of the world. All right, we've got 10 minutes and I do wanna take this last question, but it is a spicy one potentially. So Uh-oh. if, if anyone Uh-oh. is watching with, this is going to sound like it's going to be inappropriate, but that's not the case. If you're watching with children, we're going to talk about a certain oh my. chimney sliding red oh. suit wearing character. So I'm going to give you like 10 seconds to pause this. Um, unless you want
1: to, what we'll call spoilers. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about Spider-Man and his spider identity. So
0: yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Okay. So pause it, watch it later. If you've got kids that you don't want hearing, uh, potentially childhood ruining things about Santa. Um, Oh, Joey Rivera wants to know, is the Yule log pagan? Um, that I would have to look at that one specifically, but I, off the top of my
1: head, Joey, I think it actually might be, there's overlap. I think I, there I, is. I, I, I believe there was some type of celebration with the Yule log type of thing. And again, Christians might've accommodated it. Yeah.
0: And Yule is, for sure, a Germanic kind of pagan rooted set of traditions. Uh, So
1: again, if you're doing something in a pagan way, I mean, the the world is very old, filled with many religious, diverse religious practices. You can find overlap with pretty much lighting candles are used in pagan ceremonies. Totally. And the Yule log, I don't do a Yule
0: log, so I might be wrong about this, but I don't think the Yule log has any Christian symbolism anyway. So, um, yeah,
1: that's probably more of a secular kind of like chestnuts roasting on an open
0: fire. I think the Yule log has some kind of like this year's over this year's beginning symbolism, Mm -hmm. which like, again, that in and of itself is not bad, but that one isn't even co-opted by Christians. The Yule log, I don't think is a Christian thing. Make Um, the
1: kids leave the room.
0: Yeah. Send the kids out. So we got a question from Ryan (laughs) Snyder. Um,
1: Kevin, go ahead and walk outside for a bit.
0: Oh yeah. Kevin, this is going to be very disillusioning for you. (laughs) Um, Jacob wants to know, what is a Yule log? You're going to have to go and uh, Google that because I don't even know. We got
1: time to answer all your questions, Jacob.
0: <laughs> I think it's a log. I think it's the bottom of your Christmas tree and then you burn it the next Christmas or something. I don't know. I don't do it. Um, it's pagan. It's pagan. It's I don't do, don't that, do that stuff. I'm a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> what if that's when someone tuned in? Like, I guess the answer was yes. I'm happy they tuned in. Do you think, this is a question from Ryan Snyder, do you think teaching children, I love the way he phrased this, the myth of Santa Claus on December 25th And then he says some more stuff about it um, is dangerous to future Christians understanding of the gospel message. So is, is teaching Santa to kids bad? If you're a Christian, let's do the short answer and then the long answer. What's your short answer? Possibly. Oh, that's very, that's very nuanced of you. It's possible. Um, I'm going to say, and and I'll borrow from Paul and say, I am not the Lord. (laughs) Um, Yeah but I, I would say yes to this question personally, okay. but that's an opinion. That's not a clear, obvious yes. Um, here's, I'll give kind of my short take and then, yeah. and then you can as well. Um, John Piper spoke on this and it was really, really well done. I thought and his point was basically he wasn't focused on anything bad about Santa. It was more that he, his point was anything that is a false story, that you're using to take up attention that could be taken up by a true and better story is a distraction at best and a danger at worst. Because this is the time of year when we are celebrating a key pivotal moment in the best story in all of human history. And it happens to be true. And his his question was basically just, why would you take up time and attention and focus on a Mm -hmm. story that's not true and not as good as the true one that Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be telling? Now, again, I spoke too strongly. I don't think it's like a sin to talk Mm -hmm. about Santa. But the caution I would give is that if that starts to become the main focus of you and your kids, to the detriment of the true story that you could be telling, um, I I think that's a problem.
1: Yeah. And to your point, you're saying if it does this, by nature, the way we do Santa Claus in this country, it will do that. Right. Because, excuse me. Who is the person that gives the presents? That's what it comes down yeah. to. It's like, well, if you have a five-year-old, whoever gives them ice cream, that's their favorite person in that moment. Yeah, and as a selfish
0: um, human, I want credit for that, first of all. I already got a text saying bah humbug to my Santa opinion, which I, which I like. <laughs>
1: yeah. So whoever gives the present, whoever gives the ice cream, that's what kids are gonna be most excited about. Um, do I care if Santa Claus is in your Christmas celebration? No, I don't care if Rudolph, Santa Claus, any of yeah, that stuff, frosty, the snowman. But if you set up Christmas to be about the presents and the one who gives the presents, and even if that's not your intent, I'm telling you, you, if you make it, uh, kids will make it about the presents. That's what they're excited about. And then the one who is the giver of these things is not praise God from whom all blessings flow and something else. And then by the way, they get told isn't real at a certain age you you're running you're you're in, you're in danger but is yeah. there and i don't have any problem with cel- like having a santa claus uh like if we were to do a church event and there was a reindeer and a santa claus or right. something again it's not like well santa claus is evil and pagan it's how you go about yeah. doing it and my bigger concern and it's to what we touched earlier is that christmas in general has become so materialistic it's all about what we get um and then the one who is the the giver to the children is not jesus again praise god from whom all blessing flows the doxology you're getting them to to unknowingly love him in that holiday more than jesus yeah um so and there and there is there's a risk
0: there's a risk and i think a couple of the commenters pointed out um so perla said how do we explain to kids that you lied to them does this affect trust um and then jacob before that said that learning there was no santa gave child the child version of him, a faith crisis. I know many people that sounds like a joke, but I, I know many people who had a legitimate, it was either a faith crisis of some kind as a kid or a trust in their parents issue as a yeah. result of, and you have to, you really have to, as a parent, you have to think about this stuff. You're telling them God is real. Jesus is real. Even though you can't see it, it's real. I promise you. Mm-hmm. And then you're also telling them on the other hand, Santa's real. I promise yep. you here's all this evidence. Um,
1: again, I'm not trying to be alarmist. Yeah, I'm not a weird fundamentalist or something. Yeah. Don't, but evaluate, Care. he just said, and weigh it and make a decision.
0: Yeah. And my, my personal recommendation, I'm sure this is what we'll do. My kids are pretty little last year. My daughter thought all the Santa statues were Noah cause he, cause the Noah in one of her Bible books <laughs> looked like Santa. Yeah. Um, and so she'd see them and she'd be like, there's another Noah. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. that's, that'll work for this year. Um, But what we'll probably do is say, this is a fun thing that we, you know, there's this fun story about just like, again, Rudolph is a fun story. Frosty the snowman is a fun, is a fun story. Um, not, not a huge deal. So again, I came out a little spicy. Um, but ultimately my, my, my prayer would be this, that you make, you take advantage. Like, so let's say Christians did co-opt pagan holidays to create the most famous holiday ever and it's all about Jesus and you as a Christian have an opportunity to have a whole month. And then one, one particular day of that month, this is all about Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the most important person in human history. And I would just say, with intention, order the things in your family life. Yeah, that's a good way accordingly. So it doesn't mean you can't have Santa, but order it correctly. Um, and so, yeah, That doesn't, doesn't mean you can't have a big inflatable Santa. Although Chris Grimes says he once saw a Santa Claus (laughs) hand out chick tracks, chick tracks are, um, they were evangelistic tools used in like, especially the eighties and nineties that were like little comic books that would say like it would have a story about someone dying and going to hell. That's like the traumatic versions, but they were meant to be evangelistic tools. So this was a subversive, uh, Christian Santa. I mean, dude, when I was, when I was the campus pastor at Incarnate Faith, the campus we used to have, we had a Santa come to one of our holiday boutiques. Um, Mm. again, spoiler alert, if there were kids watching, but it was Zach Buffum. Buffum, Um, and also James Hankins. Clearly pagan. My favorite thing about when Zach was, um, clearly pagan. When he was Santa, he had the best line because the kids would ask him for their gifts. And Zach, who's, you know, he's a, he's a thoughtful guy and he's, he's probably thinking like, I can't say yes to this. Like, what if they don't get it? So he would just say, "I will do my best" in that voice, and every Christmas I make sure I say that exactly.
1: "I will do my best." Yeah, you don't want me to dress up as Santa because if the kids ask if this is real, I'm going to pull down their beard and say, "This is all a sham." Yeah, it's fake. It's a house of lies.
0: Yeah. Now Zakia has a great suggestion, which is tie Santa Claus to the story of the real Saint Nicholas, um, and that's you know that's that's a great idea. Do some research on who St. Nicholas was and what he did and how it relates to Santa and maybe, maybe have that be a way that you tell the story. Um, the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas movie, as Joey said, it is, that's legit. It is dude. That's that'll make you cry. When Linus tells the Christmas story because
1: for those who are paying <sighs> close attention,
0: this is semiotics, this is, yeah, Look this is,
1: um, for those of you who don't know, my de- I, I'm still working on a degree in something called semiotics and this is semiotics, but, um, Linus always needs his comfort blanket. Is that the right word to call it? Like a comfort blanket? Yeah. Yeah, it's that's, like his, 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 it's his security blanket. It's a security that's what blanket. They call it. But when that man recites the Christmas story, that's the only time he puts it down. He doesn't need the security yeah. blanket He finishes while he's the Christmas
0: Christ. story and he drops the blanket. And if that doesn't move oh, you, it moves me, honestly. It's powerful. My wife just texted me, by the way, and said that um, tonight my daughter thought that a picture of Santa on a sleigh was Noah riding on a boat. <laughs> So maybe I'm going to, maybe I'm going to get another year out of this one. Um, that's so good, but yeah, so, so guys, again, at the end of the day, this is an incredible opportunity where our entire culture is focusing on the birth of Jesus. And again, it's not like they're, they're focusing on a million other things, but that's what this holiday is about. What, however it started, that's what it's yeah. about now. Um, and so don't miss that opportunity. And I would just say, think consciously about how you're going to engage with you know, things like And When like you Santa, see people
1: dressed up as Santa, just go over to him and tell him, you know, it's all lies.
0: I know your secret. There was a good tweet where a guy talked about like a, he, he looked at some of the theological debates in church councils at the time that St. Nicholas was actually alive mm-hmm. and said, you just go up to a Santa in a costume and ask him one of those questions. Like, you know, homoousios or homo yes. And if, yeah. if he doesn't know the answer, he's not then the he's real St. Nicholas. He's an imposter.
1: Um, St. Nick would have known sound Trinitarian doctrine. He would
0: have. All right. This, we have clearly gone long enough. <laughs> um, Hey, thank you all so much um, for for a lot of months and a lot of weeks. We're going to take a month off and we'll see you back in January. (laughs) That's not what you meant to do, I don't think. That's what he meant to do. (laughs) God bless you. Thanks, guys. Have a great Christmas.